Hey everyone, and welcome to a podcast by Buffalo Occupational Therapy for student and OT practitioners looking to bridge the gap between what you were taught in school and real-world OT practice. We are all about using our full scope of practice and understand that OT is so much more than ADLs. We are a medical science, we are a social science, and we are the cutting-edge next generation of OT practitioners. Welcome to Rethink OT. Hey, look at that. We arrived at the cafe at the exact same time. (laughs) What are the odds? Let's head in. I'll grab us some coffees and you grab the table. I wanted to chat with you today about preparing for an evaluation of a client who's had a traumatic brain injury. It looks like there's a bit of a long line, so I'll probably be a couple of minutes. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you today about evaluating someone in outpatient occupational therapy who's had a traumatic brain injury. What's our role? How do we fit? What do we do in outpatient? So the first thing I want you to understand is that there are eight domains of occupation, activities of daily living, instrumental activities of daily living, sleep and rest, work, education, play, leisure, and social participation. When someone arrives in front of you in outpatient OT, many of your clients will be fairly independent in ADLs and IEDLs. So what do you do then? (laughs) Many of your clients will be living independently. Granted, they may have some help for financial management, medication management, and possibly driving. Now, there are exceptions to this. There's always exceptions, right? Depending on the cause of your client's traumatic injury, your client may also have some musculoskeletal impairments, chronic pain, and balance dysfunction. Remember that an event that produces enough force to result in a brain injury will also affect the other parts of the body. Since we are whole body practitioners, we evaluate and treat the whole body. So you guessed it, you will be addressing both cognitive executive dysfunction and musculoskeletal and mobility-based dysfunction. You need to know this when preparing to see your patient for the first time. Someone dropped a full tray of food. That is awful. Anyways, okay. We established that you need to prepare to treat and evaluate the entire person when your client is in front of you and that you will not necessarily be addressing ADLs or many elements of IADL in your continuum. Outpatient OT works in all domains of occupation. It's fantastic to have the freedom to use all the information you have learned in school. I remember my first patient with a traumatic brain injury and I was so nervous. I went for the evaluation and I had absolutely no idea what to say what they would know, what they would understand, what they wouldn't understand, what I should be aware of, what kind of objective measures I would be collecting. The list goes on and on and on. 
You see, in school, we learned the Glasgow Coma Scale and Rancho's Los Amigos levels, both of which, by the way, shameless plug, can be found in the bot portal. And that's about it. What does any of that even mean? What does any of it even mean to a new practitioner? What if I'm not in the intensive care unit where my patient is restrained and combative? What if I'm not working in a group setting where I can design a nice psychosocial based program? How do I approach this? Nobody ever prepares you for that. Well, unless you're those lucky people who have a nice, beautiful little fieldwork experience working with, with a variety of neurological diagnoses. Anyways, needless to say, all of the thoughts were running through my head and the experience was <clears throat> rough. <laughs> the experience was rough. Flash forward to today and I have done the research. I continue to do the research and I have an arsenal of resources I use during my initial evaluation process, which is, you guessed it, also accessible in the portal. I want you to understand that it's okay that you're nervous when you see you're going to be treating a patient with a traumatic brain injury. There are so many variables. There are so many symptoms your patient may be presenting with that they may be looking to you to answer. It's okay to have that little quote unquote shot of adrenaline. This is what drives you to be as prepared as possible. This is a good thing. Even seasoned OTs feel this before every single evaluation, no matter how long they've been doing it. It means you care. Frankly, I would be worried if you didn't feel a little uncomfortable before your evaluations. Okay, I need to move and stretch my legs a little bit. I'm going to grab us a refill. Hey guys, I just want to interrupt real quick. I want to take a minute to remind you to head to our website for OT treatment ideas, any PDFs we reference in this podcast, and a ton of OT science rationale for your documentation. Be the therapist your clients ask for instead of just the therapist they feel they can do without. Head to the bot portal and OT store at www.buffalooccupationaltherapy.com. And don't forget to find us on social media in our Facebook group at Outpatient OT or on Insta at OT underscore Outpatient. Now back to the show. Ah, I have fuel. Let's talk about the steps I take to get prepared for a traumatic brain injury evaluation in Outpatient OT. There aren't a lot of steps. Actually, I can break it all down in about three steps to be exact. First, I do my cutie scan. <laughs> I know that sounds like cutie, C-U-T-I-E scan, but I'm actually saying Q like quick and D like dirty. My QD scan. The quick and dirty scan on the latest evidence-based practice for your patient's specific type of brain injury. Has anything changed in the research databases since I looked last? Do I need to make any changes in my current repertoire of treatment plan protocols for the remediation of certain dysfunctions? This step does two things for you. First, it fulfills your ethical and professional duty as an autonomous healthcare provider to follow evidence-based and research-inspired approaches to care. 
And second, it gives you the quote unquote cutting edge confidence that you can only have if you know for a fact that you know at least a little bit more about their current condition than you do. You don't need to know everything. Nobody knows everything. You will always be learning. Every strong therapist that's in the world today knows that you will always be a lifelong learner. The research never stops, but you do need to ensure that you are at least one step ahead. The second step is I gather my materials and make a checklist. Okay, you're probably thinking about your practice setting and thinking, there is no way I have time to do this. But I promise you, with just a little bit of patience, you can. I've done this in skilled nursing with 95% productivity requirements, acute care, and medical rehab units, and I also do this in outpatient. If you dedicate just a little bit of time to putting together a binder for specific diagnoses, this step is nothing. The materials I gather are my laminated assessments for my client to complete. I then gather my assessments that I will complete through interview style and also some assessments for muscle and mobility. All of my favorite go-to assessments are in the TBI OT evaluation packet in the portal. Specifically, this packet includes the occupational profile, executive function questionnaire, TBI symptom questionnaire, the roles checklist, slums, Lawton Brody IADL, CATS ADL, timed up and go, five times sit to stand, and a template to complete for range of motion and manual muscle testing. I then make a fast and simple checklist to follow. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, I love talking. Because I love talking and building a relationship and rapport with my client, I like to make sure I'm sticking to a plan. I put all of my assessments in order and have a running checklist on the side to ensure I have crossed all of my T's. Finally, and this is probably most important, number three, I figure out how to come correct, which means I address my current headspace. Addressing your headspace is crucial. As with any occupational therapy evaluation, you need to walk in as though you are a confident leader in the healthcare world. You aren't just an occupational therapy practitioner. You are a powerful, functional, performance-enhancing brain and body artist. You know more than your client does about this topic, and you have done the research. Your client is depending on you to see beyond the surface and ask, ask questions that they don't know they need to ask. It is your job to define their needs so that you can refine their ability to participate in the world around them. Remember that a TBI is an invisible disability. Your client is depending on you to see what others can't, to recognize the struggle, and to look at them and give them a plan. It is your responsibility to ensure that they can establish and maintain an internal locus of control throughout their lifespan with or without residual symptoms of their traumatic brain injury. I don't know about you, but I am ready to get out of here. Let's walk out to our cars together. Thank you.
you so much for having coffee with me. I hope what I shared gives you a place to begin with your traumatic brain injury evaluations. And I also hope you got some comfort knowing that you don't need to know everything about everything to be able to show up and be prepared with relevant information to empower your client. As always, thank you for listening to the Rethink OT podcast, where we live out our passion to remake OT into a cutting-edge profession. See you in the third episode of the TVI miniseries, where you and I will discuss in detail, the domains of occupation that may be impacted by a traumatic brain injury at the outpatient level. Goodbye for now.